Book six of the Nicomachean Ethics. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Geoffrey Edwards. The Nicomachean Ethics by Aristotle. Translated by Thomas Taylor. Book six. Chapter one. Since, however, we have before observed that it is necessary the medium in conduct should be chosen and neither excess nor deficiency but the medium is to act as right reason prescribes let us now consider what right reason is for in all the above-mentioned habits as in other things there is a certain scope to which he who possesses reason looking acts with intention and remission and there is a certain boundary of media which we say are situated between excess and defect and which exist conformably to right reason thus to speak however is indeed true but is not at all clear for in other pursuits also with which science is conversant it is indeed true to say that it is not proper to labour either more or less nor to be indolent but to labour moderately and as right reason prescribes he however who alone knows this will know nothing more as if on inquiring what kind of things are to be administered to the body it should be said they are such as medicine and he who possesses the medical art prescribe hence it is necessary with respect to the habits of the soul that this should not only be truly said but that it should also be definitely shown what right reason is and what is the definition of it but we have distributed the virtues of the soul and have said that some of them are ethical and others dianoetical or belonging to the discursive power of the soul with respect to the ethical virtues therefore we have indeed discussed them but with respect to the remaining virtues these we shall discuss after we have first spoken concerning the soul it has therefore been before observed by us that there are two parts of the soul that which possesses reason and that which is irrational but now we shall make a division after the same manner of the part which possesses reason and it must be admitted that there are two parts possessing reason one indeed by which we survey those kinds of beings the principles of which cannot subsist otherwise than they do and the other by which we survey things of a contingent nature for since the objects of knowledge are specifically different it follows that there are also different species of knowledge for it is necessary that knowledge should be similar to the thing known and that the knowledge of that which is necessary should be necessary but contingent of that which is contingent for all knowledge subsists according to similitude and affinity since it is a certain adaptation and contact of that which is known and that which knows but of these parts of the soul the one is called scientific but the other ratiocinative for to consult and reason are the same thing no one however consults about things which cannot subsist otherwise than they do so that the ratiocinative power is one certain part of the rational part of the soul it must therefore be shown what is the best habit of each of these for this is the virtue of each but virtue is referred to its proper work chapter two there are however three things in the soul which have dominion over action and truth viz 
sense, intellect, and appetite. But of these, sense is the principle of no one action, which is evident from this, that brutes have indeed sense, but have no communion with action, so as to have dominion over it. What, however, affirmation and negation are in the discursive energy of the rational part, that pursuit and avoidance are in appetite. Hence, since ethical virtue is a habit accompanied with deliberate choice, but deliberate choice is an appetite adapted to consultation, hence it is necessary that reason should be true, and the appetite right, if the deliberate choice is good, and that the one should assert, and the other pursue the same things. This discursive energy of the soul, therefore, by which we judge that something is to be desired, is practical reason, and practical truth. But of the discursive energy of reason, which is contemplative, and neither practical nor effective, the good and the evil are truth and falsehood. For this is the work of the whole of the discursive power. The work, however, of the practical, and at the same time discursive energy of reason, is truth subsisting in concord with right appetite. The principle, therefore, of action, whence motion is derived, is deliberate choice, though this principle is not the final cause of action. But appetite, and that reason which is for the sake of something, or which is directed to the final cause, are the principles of deliberate choice. Hence, deliberate choice is not without intellect, and the discursive energy of reason, nor is it without the ethical habit, for good conduct, and the contrary to it in action, are not without the discursive energy of reason and manners. The discursive energy, however, of reason itself, does not move anything, except that which is for the sake of something, and is practical, since this has dominion over that which is effective. For every one who effects anything, does it for the sake of something, and that which is effected is not simply the end, but is a relative, and pertains to something, though this is not the case with that which is practicable. For good conduct is the end of action, but appetite is directed to the end. Hence, deliberate choice is either orectic intellect, or appetite possessing a discursive energy, and man is a principle of this kind. Nothing, however, that has been done is an object of deliberate choice. Thus, for instance, no one deliberately chooses to subvert Troy, for neither does any one deliberate about what is past, but about that which is future and contingent. But it is not possible that what has been done should not be done. Hence, Agatho says rightly, quote, All things to God are possible but one, that to undo which is already done. Close quote. Of both the intellective parts, therefore, the work is truth. Hence, those habits according to which each of these parts enunciates the truth are the virtues of both. Chapter 3 Assuming, therefore, a more elevated exordium, let us again speak concerning these virtues. Let, therefore, the habits by which the soul enunciates truth in affirming or denying be five in number. But these are art, science, prudence, wisdom, and intellect. For it is possible that both hypolepsis and opinion may assert what is false. What science, therefore, is, will be from hence evident, if it is necessary to investigate accurately, and not to follow similitudes. For all of us are of opinion 
that it is not possible for that which we know scientifically to subsist otherwise than it does but with respect to things which may subsist otherwise of these when they are out of our view we are ignorant whether they exist or not the object of scientific knowledge therefore is from necessity hence it is eternal for all beings which are simply from necessity are eternal but things eternal are without generation and incorruptible again all science appears to be capable of being taught and the object of scientific knowledge may be obtained by discipline but all doctrine is produced from things previously known as we have said in the analytics for it partly subsists through induction and partly from syllogism induction therefore is indeed a principle and the principle of universal but syllogism is from universal the principles therefore from which syllogism consists are things of which there is no syllogism hence they are obtained by induction science therefore is indeed a demonstrative habit and such other things as we have added to the definition of it in the analytics for when a man believes that a thing is after a certain manner and the principles of it are known to him he has a scientific knowledge of that thing for if the principles are not more known to him than the conclusion he will have a scientific knowledge from accident let these things therefore be admitted concerning science chapter four of that however which may subsist otherwise than it does or which has a various subsistence and is contingent there is something which is effective and something which is practicable but production and action differ credibility however may be obtained concerning these things from exoteric discussions so that the practic habit in conjunction with reason is different from the effective or productive habit in conjunction with reason and neither are they contained by each other for neither is action affection nor is affection action but since the building art is a habit effective in conjunction with reason and neither is there any art which is not a habit effective in conjunction with reason nor any such habit which is not art art and habit effective in conjunction with true reason will be the same all art however is conversant with generation and machinates and contemplates in order that something may be produced which is capable either of existing or not existing and of which the principle is in the maker but not in the thing made for art neither belongs to things which necessarily are or are necessarily generated nor to things which have a natural subsistence for these contain in themselves the principle since however production and action are different it is necessary that art should pertain to production but not to action and after a certain manner fortune and art are conversant with the same things as also agatho says quote, art fortune loves and fortune art Close quote. art therefore as we have said is a certain habit effective in conjunction with true reason but the privation of art on the contrary or the inartificial habit is a habit effective in conjunction with false reason about that which may have a various subsistence chapter five with respect to prudence we shall apprehend what it is if we survey who those are whom we denominate prudent persons 
it appears therefore to be the province of a prudent man to be able to consult well about things which are good and advantageous to him not partially as about what contributes to health or strength but about what universally contributes to a happy life but this is indicated by our calling men prudent about anything when they reason well with a view to some worthy end in things in which there is no art so that in short he who is adapted to consultation will be a prudent man no one however consults about things which cannot subsist otherwise than they do nor about things which it is impossible for him to perform hence if science indeed subsists in conjunction with demonstration but of those things of which the principles may have a various subsistence of these there is no demonstration for all these are contingent and if it is not possible to consult about things which subsist from necessity prudence will neither be science nor art it will not be science because that which is practicable may have a various subsistence and it will not be art because the genus of action is different from the genus of production it remains therefore that it is a true habit in conjunction with reason practical about human good and evil for the end of production indeed is different from the production but the end of action is not always different from action hence we are of opinion that pericles and such like persons are prudent men because they are able to survey what is good for themselves and for mankind and we also think that economists and politicians are persons of this description hence also we call temperance by this name as preserving prudence but it preserves an opinion of this kind for the delectable and the painful do not corrupt or distort every opinion such as that a triangle has or has not angles equal to two right but those opinions which pertain to what is practicable for the principles indeed of practicable things are those things for the sake of which they are performed but to him who is corrupted through pleasure or pain the principle is not immediately apparent nor does he perceive that for the sake of this and through this it is necessary to choose and perform all things for vice is destructive of the principle hence it is necessary that prudence should be a habit in conjunction with true reason practical about human good moreover of art indeed there is a virtue but of prudence there is not and in art indeed he who voluntarily errs is to be preferred to him who errs involuntarily but in prudence he who voluntarily errs is a subordinate character in the same manner as in the virtues it is evident therefore that prudence is a certain virtue and not art but since there are two parts of the rational soul prudence will be the virtue of the doxastic part or that part which forms opinions of things for both opinion and prudence are conversant with that which may have a various subsistence nor yet is prudence a habit alone in conjunction with reason of which this is an indication that there may be an oblivion of such a habit i e it may be lost through oblivion but there cannot be of prudence chapter six since however science is an assent to universals and things which have a necessary subsistence but there are principles of things demonstrable and of every science for science is accompanied with reason this being the case there will neither be science nor art nor prudence of the principle of the object of science 
for the object of science is demonstrable but art and prudence are conversant with things which may have a various subsistence neither therefore will wisdom be that through which this principle is known for it is the province of a wise man to have demonstration about certain things hence if the habits by which we enunciate the truth and are never deceived about things which cannot or which can have a various subsistence are science and prudence wisdom and intellect but no one of these three can be the habit by which we know principles but by the three i mean prudence wisdom and science it remains that intellect is the habit by which principles are known chapter seven we attribute however wisdom in the arts to those who are most accurately skilled in the arts thus we say that phidias was a wise sculptor and polycletus a wise statuary here therefore we signify nothing else by wisdom than that it is the virtue of art but in short we think that certain persons are wise not partially and that they are not anything else than wise men as homer says in his margites the gods nor minor him nor ploughman made nor wise in anything beside so that it is evident that wisdom will be the most accurate of the sciences hence it is necessary that the wise man should not only know those things which are inferred from principles or the conclusions of scientific reasoning but that he should also perceive and enunciate the truth about principles themselves wisdom therefore will be intellect and science and will possess as a head or summit the science of the most honourable things i e of divine natures for it would be absurd for any one to fancy that the political science or prudence is a thing of all others the most excellent unless man is the best of everything the world contains if however what is salubrious and good is to man one thing and another to fishes but that which is white and that which is straight are always the same all men will acknowledge that a wise man is the same but the prudent man is a mutable character for they will say that the being is prudent who surveys what is excellent in particulars according to the nature of each and to him they will commit these particulars hence also they say that some brutes are prudent viz such as appear to have a providential power about what pertains to their life it is evident however that the political science and wisdom are not the same for if it should be said that wisdom is that which is conversant with what is useful to mankind there will be many kinds of wisdom since there is not one science which is conversant with the good of all animals but a different science is conversant with a different good unless indeed there is one medical science which extends to all beings nor is it of any consequence if it should be said that man is the most excellent of all other animals for there are many animals naturally more divine than man such as those most apparent beings from which the world is composed from what has been said therefore it is evident that wisdom is the science and intellect of things most honourable by nature hence the multitude say that anaxagoras and thales and such like persons were indeed wise but not prudent men in consequence of perceiving that they were ignorant of what was advantageous to them with respect to a corporeal life and they say that they knew indeed things superfluous and admirable difficult and divine but which are useless because they did not investigate human good prudence however is conversant with human affairs 
and with those things which are the subjects of consultation. For we say that this is especially the work of a prudent man, to consult well, but no one consults about things which cannot subsist otherwise than they do, nor about things of which there is not a certain end, and this practical good. He, however, simply consults well, who conjectures, by a reasoning process, what is best to man among practicable things. Nor is prudence only directed to universals, but it is also necessary that it should know particulars, for it is practical, but action is conversant with particulars. Hence also, some persons who have only experimental knowledge without science are more adapted for practical affairs than those who possess a scientific knowledge without experience. For he who knows that light flesh is easily concocted, but is ignorant what flesh is light, will not produce health. But he will rather produce it who knows that the flesh of birds is light and salubrious. Prudence, however, is practical, so that it is necessary to possess both, viz., a knowledge of what is to be done universally, and in particular circumstances, or rather the latter than the former. But prudence here also, i.e., among the practical powers, will be a certain architectonic power, or a power belonging to a master art. Chapter 8. The political science, however, and prudence are indeed the same habit, though they have not the same essence. But of the science pertaining to a city, the one part which is legislative is, as it were, architectonic prudence, but the other, in the same manner as particulars, is denominated by a common name, the political science. This, however, is practical, and occupied in consultation. For a decree is a thing practicable, as the extreme. Hence those alone who possess the political science are said to act in a political capacity, for they alone act in the same manner as manual artificers. That also appears to be especially prudence, which a man employs about himself, and about one thing, and this is called, by a common name, prudence. But, of these species of prudence, the one is economy, another legislation, and another the political science. And, of this last, one part pertains to consultation, but another is judicial. For a man, therefore, to know his own concerns, will be one species of knowledge. Nevertheless, it possesses a great difference, and he who knows things pertaining to himself, and is conversant with them, appears to be a prudent man. But those who apply themselves to the management of public affairs are busily employed in a multitude of concerns. Hence also Euripides says, quote, How can the name of wise to me belong, who might have mingled in the martial throng, and vexed with business, and exempt from care, taking of spoils my honourable share, yet chose by over-anxious thought to move the direful hate of all-commanding Jove. Close quote. For these men explore what is good for themselves, and are of opinion that it is necessary to do this. From this opinion, therefore, it comes to pass that these men are prudent, though perhaps it is not possible for a man to know his own concerns without economic and political prudence. Again, how a man ought to manage his own affairs is a thing immanifest, and requires consideration. But, as an indication of the truth of what has been said, a youth may become a geometrician, and a mathematician, and may be skilled in things of this kind, but it does not appear that he will be prudent. 
The cause, however, of this is that prudence pertains to particulars, which become known from experience. But youth is without experience, which is produced by length of time. Since this also deserves to be considered, why a boy may become a mathematician, but cannot be wise, or a physiologist, shall we say it is because mathematical objects subsist by an ablation from matter, but the principles of the objects of wisdom and physiology are derived from experience? And, with respect to metaphysical principles indeed, youth do not believe in, but admit them. But with respect to mathematical principles, it is not immanifest what they are. Farther still, error in consultation either pertains to universals or particulars. For, in order that a man may not drink heavy, and therefore bad water, it is requisite that he should know either that all heavy water is bad, or that this particular water is heavy. But it is evident that prudence is not science, for it pertains to the extreme, as we have before observed, since that which is practicable is a thing of this kind. It is, therefore, indeed opposed to intellect, for intellect is conversant with terms, i.e. universals, which are the extremes upward, and above which there are no other principles. But prudence is conversant with the extremes downward, which are particulars, of which there is no science, but only a sensible perception. And this is not a sensible perception of peculiarities, but such as that by which we perceive in mathematics that a triangle is the extreme. For we stop there. It is, therefore, rather this sense which is prudence, but of that there is another species. Chapter 9. To investigate, however, and to consult differ. For to consult is to investigate something, but it is necessary to discuss good consultation, and show what it is, whether it is a certain science, or opinion, or good conjecture, or some other genus. It is not therefore science, for men do not investigate about things which they know. But good consultation is a certain consultation, and he who consults investigates and reasons. Neither is it good conjecture, for good conjecture is without reasoning, and is something which is accomplished with celerity. But men consult for a long time, and say that the objects of consultation ought to be performed rapidly, but that consultation should be done slowly. Again, sagacity and good consultation also differ from each other, but sagacity is a certain good conjecture. Neither, therefore, is any good consultation opinion. But since he who consults badly errs, but he who consults well consults rightly, it is evident that good consultation is a certain rectitude. Nor is good consultation either science or opinion. For of science, indeed, there is no rectitude, because there is no error. But truth is the rectitude of opinion. And, at the same time, everything of which there is an opinion is definite and determined. Nevertheless, good consultation is not without reasoning. It falls short, therefore, of dianoia, or the discursive energy of reason. For this is not yet enunciation, since opinion is not investigation, but is now a certain enunciation. He, however, who consults, whether he consults well or ill, investigates something, and reasons. But good consultation is a certain rectitude of consultation, on which account it must in the first place be inquired what consultation is, and with what it is conversant. 
since however rectitude is multifariously predicated it is evident that not every rectitude is good consultation for the incontinent and the bad man obtain from reasoning that which they propose to see so that they will have consulted rightly but have procured for themselves a great evil but to have consulted well appears to be a certain good for such a rectitude of consultation as becomes the mean of obtaining good is good consultation good however may be obtained by false reasoning and a man indeed may obtain that which ought to be done yet not through a proper medium but the middle term may be false hence neither will that be good consultation according to which that is obtained which ought to be obtained yet not through a proper medium further still it is possible that one man may obtain the object of his wishes by consulting for a long time but another by consulting rapidly hence neither is that yet good consultation but the rectitude which subsists according to utility and to what is proper and as and when it is proper again it is possible simply to consult well and also with a view to a certain end good consultation therefore simply is that which proceeds with rectitude to an end simply but a certain good consultation is that which proceeds with rectitude to a certain end hence if to consult well is the province of prudent men good consultation will be a rectitude according to utility with a view to a certain end of which prudence is the true hypothesis chapter ten intelligence however and the privation of intelligence according to which we denominate men intelligent or unintelligent is neither wholly the same with science or opinion for if it were all men would be intelligent nor is intelligence some one of the particular sciences such as medicine for it would be conversant with health or geometry for it would be conversant with magnitudes for neither is intelligence conversant with things which always are and are immovable nor with things which are passing into existence but with those which may be the subject of doubt and consultation hence it is conversant with the same things as prudence yet intelligence and prudence are not the same for prudence indeed is of a commanding nature for the end of it is what ought or what ought not to be done but intelligence is alone of a judiciary nature for intelligence is the same as right intelligence since intelligent men are also rightly intelligent intelligence however is neither the possession nor the acquisition of prudence but as he who learns is said to understand what he learns when he uses science the like also takes place in the use of opinion in forming a judgment of those things with which prudence is conversant and judging of them well when another person is speaking for what is well is the same with what is beautifully done and hence the name intelligence was derived according to which men are said to be rightly intelligent viz from intelligence in learning for we frequently use the verb to learn as equivalent to the verb to understand chapter eleven but what is called upright decision according to which we say that men decide rightly is the right judgment of the equitable man as an indication of this however we say that the equitable man is especially inclined to pardon others and that it is equitable to pardon certain things but pardon is an upright judiciary decision of the equitable man and the decision is upright which is made by a man observant of truth all these habits however reasonably tend to the same thing for we speak of upright decision intelligence 
prudence, and intellect with reference to the same persons, when we say that they are men of upright decision, are endued with intellect, are prudent and intelligent. For all these powers pertain to the extremes downward, and to particulars. And an intelligent man, and one who decides rightly, or a man disposed to pardon, will be one who possesses a judiciary power about things with which the prudent man is conversant. For things of an equitable nature are common to all good men, in their intercourse with others. Everything, however, of a practicable nature pertains to particulars, and the downward extremes. For it is necessary that a prudent man should have a knowledge of these, and intelligence and equitable decision are conversant with things of a practicable nature, but these are extremes, and intellect pertains both to the upward and downward extremes. For intellect, and not the discourse of energy of reason, is conversant with both first and last terms, i.e. with universal principles. The one indeed, i.e. the intellect, which is the principle of the demonstrative sciences, is conversant with immutable and first terms. But the intellect, which is occupied in practical affairs, or which is the principle of prudence, is conversant with the extreme, and with that which is contingent, and the other proposition. For these are the principles of that for the sake of which a thing is done, or the final cause. For universal is from particulars. Of these, therefore, it is necessary to have a sensible perception, but this is the practical intellect. Hence, these habits appear to be natural, and no one indeed is wise by nature, but every one possesses naturally the power of deciding rightly, together with intelligence and intellect. But, as an indication of this, we are of opinion that these habits are attendants on the ages of the life of men, and we say that this age, i.e. old age, possesses intellect and upright decision, as if nature were the cause of this. Hence, also, intellect is both the principle and the end. For from these demonstrations are framed, and with these they are conversant. Hence, in practical affairs, it is no less necessary to attend to the undemonstrated assertions and opinions of elderly or prudent men, than to demonstrations. For, in consequence of possessing an eye from experience, they perceive the principles of things of a practicable nature. And thus we have shown what wisdom and prudence are, and with what particulars each is conversant, and that each is the virtue of a different part of the soul. Chapter 12. Some one, however, may doubt concerning these, in what their utility consists. For wisdom, indeed, contemplates none of those things from which men will obtain felicity, since it is not conversant with anything which is in generation, or which is becoming to be, or passing into existence. But prudence, indeed, does consider those things from which human felicity is derived. Yet on what account is it necessary that it should, since prudence is conversant with just and beautiful things, and which are good to man? We do not, however, become at all more practically virtuous by knowing these things, since the virtues are habits, as neither are things said to be salubrious, or to conduce to a good habit of body, because they have an active power, but because they proceed from habit. For we are not at all more practical from possessing the medical or gymnastic art. But if a man is not to be considered as prudent for the sake of these things, but for the sake of becoming worthy, they will not be at all useful to those who are worthy. Again, neither will prudence be useful to those who are not worthy, 
for it is of no consequence whether they are prudent or are persuaded by others that are since this will be sufficient in the same manner as in what pertains to health for when we wish to be well we do not at the same time learn the medical art to which we may add that it will appear to be absurd that prudence which is subordinate to wisdom should possess a greater authority for that which is effective governs and presides in everything these things therefore must be discussed for now the doubt is concerning them alone in the first place therefore we say that these virtues wisdom and prudence are necessarily eligible per se since they are the virtues of each part of the soul though neither of them should affect anything in the next place they do indeed affect something yet not in the same manner as medicine produces health but as health produces the energies of a good habit of body thus also wisdom produces felicity for being a part of the whole of virtue by the possession and the energy of it it renders a man happy farther still the work is accomplished by prudence and ethical virtue for virtue renders the scope proposed by the agent right but prudence gives rectitude to things which tend to the scope a virtue however of this kind does not belong to the fourth or nutritive part of the soul because its energies are not in our power nor are rational either essentially or by participation but with respect to our not being at all more adapted to the practice of things beautiful and just through prudence in answer to this objection we must begin a little higher assuming the following principle for as we say that certain persons who perform just things are not yet just such as those who do what is ordered by the laws either unwillingly or from ignorance or from some other cause and not on account of the things themselves though they do those things which ought to be done and such as a worthy man ought to do thus also as it seems it is possible to do everything with a certain disposition of mind so as to be a good man i mean for instance that it is possible to do everything with which virtue is concerned from deliberate choice and for the sake of the things which are done virtue therefore produces a right deliberate choice but it is not the business of virtue but of some other power to render the deliberate choice disposed to embrace what truly contributes to the end it is requisite however to speak more clearly on this subject there is therefore a certain power which is called skill but this is a power of such a kind that by its assistance those things may be performed and obtained which contribute to the proposed scope and if indeed the scope is beautiful this power is laudable but if the scope is bad this power becomes craft on which account also we say that prudent men are skilful and not crafty prudence however is not this power yet does not subsist without it but habit is not acquired by this eye of the soul without virtue as we have said and is evident for the syllogisms of practical affairs rank as a principle since the end is a thing of this kind and that which is best whatever it may be let the end for instance be something casual but this is not apparent except to a good man for depravity distorts the judgment and produces deception about the practical principles hence it is evident that it is impossible for any one to be a prudent unless he is a good man chapter thirteen again therefore let us direct our attention to virtue for as prudence is not the same indeed but is similar to sagacity thus also natural virtue subsists similarly 
with reference to that which is properly so called for the several manners appear to all men to subsist in a certain respect naturally since we are just and temperate and brave and possess the other virtues immediately from our birth at the same time however we investigate something else as that which is properly good and are of opinion that such like virtues are inherent after another manner for the physical habits are inherent in children and brutes but they are seen to be noxious without intellect thus much indeed is apparent that as it happens that a strong body which is moved without sight very much errs in its motions in consequence of being deprived of sight this likewise is the case here with respect to the physical virtues but if the possessor of these virtues obtains intellect also he will excel in his actions the habit however being similar will then be properly virtue hence as in the doxastic part of the soul or that part which is characterized by opinion there are two species skill and prudence thus also in the ethical part there are two species one of which is physical virtue but the other is virtue properly so called and of these virtue properly so called is not without prudence hence it is said that all the virtues are prudence and socrates indeed investigated partly with rectitude and partly with error for because he thought that all the virtues are prudences he erred but it is well said by him that the virtues are not without prudence but as an indication of this all men now when they define virtue add to the definition habit and that they energize according to right reason and right reason is that which subsists according to prudence all men therefore appear in a certain respect to prophesy that a habit of this kind which subsists according to prudence is virtue it is necessary however to change in a small degree the definition for not only a habit according to right reason but also a habit in conjunction with right reason is virtue but prudence is right reason energizing about things of this kind socrates therefore thought that the virtues indeed were reasons because all of them are sciences but we think that they subsist in conjunction with reason hence it is evident from what has been said that it is not possible to be a good man properly without prudence nor a prudent man without ethical virtue after this manner also the reasoning may be dissolved by which some one may contend that the virtues are separated from each other for the same person is not naturally well adapted to all the virtues hence he has now obtained this but not yet that virtue for this may indeed happen according to the physical virtues but is not possible in those virtues according to which a man is said to be simply a good man for all the virtues are present at the same time that prudence which is one virtue is present but it is evident that though prudence were not a practical thing it would be necessary because it is the virtue of a part of the soul and because deliberate choice will not be right without prudence nor without virtue for one of these is the end but the other causes us to do things which contribute to the end prudence however neither has dominion over wisdom nor over the better part of the soul as neither has the medical science dominion over health for it does not use health but considers how it may be obtained it prescribes therefore for the sake of health but has no dominion over it again to say that prudence rules over wisdom is just as if some one should say that the political science rules over the gods because it orders everything which is done in the city end of book six
Recording in memory of Mitchell Edwards.